When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. Hi there, Paul. How are you this evening? I'm not too bad. At what point this week did you become aware that Brennan Rogers had decided to walk out of what he had called his dream job? I was probably late to to this picture. It was probably Tuesday morning. It was Tuesday morning when my alarm went off for me to go to work and there was a few text messages and WhatsApp groups saying... The rumour was that he was gone. I'd missed it all on Monday night. It became clear quite quickly that he was gone. And he was away by Tuesday morning. To say I was disappointed was a was an understatement. But shocked. I, I walked into my work and the two Rangers fans who sat across from me, they had Rangers winning the league because Brendan had left. My phone was going mental all day and nothing was very nice what was getting said about Brendan. On Monday, as you know, I was in Glasgow meeting a friend of mine and he always gives me great information about the goings-on at Celtic Park. As I've discussed with you before, I would never go on Twitter and put them out there because if you do that, you no longer get the information. And I don't want to come across as being one of these guys who pretends that they're in the know. We all know quite a few people like that. But on Monday, I'm sitting there having breakfast with a good friend of mine and I asked him, if Neil Lennon was worth backing for the next manager of Leicester City at 10 to 1, and he told me I'd be better putting my money on him taking the Celtic job. So that was on Monday morning. Now, you've already mentioned that Tuesday, obviously, was where it all came to fruition. When do you think the Brendan Rodgers deal was struck? When did you think Celtic were aware that Brendan was off? Well, we were made aware of it in January. So you would like to think that... um Celtic were aware of it at that point that he had spoken to Leicester and he had agreed a deal with Leicester and it was a open secret that he was going to Leicester City in the, su- the summer so you would like to think at that point um, the hierarchy at Celtic have started to 
put plans in place, I think even they would have been completely surprised of Brendan's actions on Monday. And we've been lucky enough that Neil's been available to take over. But if it's an open secret within, a, within the media that he's taken a job in the summer, you like to think that Celtic knew as well. Just going back to the point you make there, Kevin, we're referring to a tournament that you and I went to cover from a media perspective for a Celtic state of mind. It was with our sponsors, Fans Bet. They were the big sponsors of the Soccer Sixes. Um, you and I were sitting on a couch having an informal chat with Big Rambo, Alan McAnally, and he dropped the bombshell that Rogers had already agreed to go to Leicester, didn't he? He did. He also dropped the bombshell of who his money was on to replace Rogers at Celtic. Again, that's a, a whole different topic of conversation that we should have because I have always been a big fan of Stevie Clark, and I think around about the time that Ronnie Dyler got the, the Celtic manager's job, Stevie Clark was a guy that I rated very, very highly. But obviously, since we spoke to Big Rambo, there's been other events that have taken over, and I would doubt very much that Clark would be interested in the job now. Definitely, I think he ruled himself out, and that's maybe something to do with what's went on over the last few weeks with Clark and the less intelligent members of the Rangers support. But I think also the change has probably been that we've now got a man in a job and unless he Devon locks the league title he's more than likely to get the job permanently and I think Stevie Clark maybe has a look at that now and says well it's more than likely that the new manager of Celtic Football Club permanently is going to be Neil Lennon so he's maybe started to look elsewhere. Again going back to some of the earlier points there on one hand, I'm saying that some people give us information and we don't broadcast it because it's not really our information to broadcast and it's not confirmed. And therefore, if it comes out and it's not true, it's us that loses the credibility. So we tend not to do it. I think it's okay chatting about Rambo because, first and foremost, I don't think he listens to a Celtic state of mind, but uh, also it's happened now. So we're, we're talking retrospectively. I, I hear he listens to a Bayern Munich state of mind, though. Oh, does he? Aye, I, I know th- the guy that does that. <laughs> Going further back, if we go right back to January 2018, you and I were at the Royal Concert Hall in Glasgow for an evening with Neil Lennon and Chris Sutton. That was now, a cracking night. It was a great night. Uh, you and I were privileged enough to spend some time with Chris and Neil backstage, and that in itself was a fantastic insight. Both really great guys. We recorded that night. And we put out the Neil Lennon podcast, which uh, is our biggest success, I think. I think it's probably the, the, the highest rated podcast we've ever put out. And it was the main reason why we won the award last year, according to the, the Football Blogging Awards, was the Neil Lennon interview. We also recorded the Chris Sutton interview. And until recently, we thought that had been lost at the depths of time. But it's sitting on one of my laptops. And hopefully we'll be able to edit that and put it out at some time. But the reason I'm talking about that, Kevin, is... The Neil Lennon story for us coming back probably goes back to last January because we were able to pick his brain uh, about coming back to Celtic. Could you just tell the listeners what kind of impression Lennon gave to us two when we were chatting to him last January? He was supremely confident that he was always at one point going to manage Celtic again. I think it's maybe came quicker than what he expected, but he, he always had, he always seemed to have that belief. It was almost like he had unfinished business. I think he left under a wee bit of a cloud 
when you look at how he left, I think boredom maybe had a big part to do with it. He had done everything that he could do with Celtic. Rangers had went bust. The intensity week in, week out was no longer there. The team that he had built was ageing. He probably knew he wasn't going to get the, the funds that he wanted for us to become a last 16 Champions League team, for us to progress in Europe. He couldn't really dine out any longer on beating Barcelona. So he left. Did he regret it? Maybe. He went to Bolton and the big job in England never came for him. He's came back up the road, done well with Hibs. So I think he's maybe had a look back and there was a wee bit of tinge of regret the way that he left Celtic. He's now coming back into us at a completely different situation. Club's completely different. But as you say, at that point, when we spoke to him and off off air behind and that, you could tell that he was a Celtic man through and through. But you could tell that he, there was an era of unfinished business about him. That's definitely the impression I got, Kevin. And there was always that vibe that someday he would come back to manage the club. And also what I would say is that the venue probably holds something like 1,400, 1,500 people. And the reception that Neil Lennon got that night from the Celtic crowd was incredible. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? It's almost cult-like. There is a cult of Neil Lennon, and I don't mean that in a bad way. There are Celtic fans out there who, you've just seen it over the last couple of days, how he represents us, he represents us like Tommy did, he represents us like Martin O'Neill does. He's got that aura about him, and it doesn't matter what he does. Well, unless we lose league titles, he's always going to be remembered fondly by the Celtic support. He's always going to be revered by the Celtic support. So him coming back in, he's a perfect man to steady what had been turbulent waters to sail the ship towards the the finishing line. The magical weight. Now you mentioned there that he was in the the mould of various iconic figures of the past, such as Tommy Burns. And that takes me on to my next point, Kevin, because when Brennan Rogers was unveiled at Celtic Park in front of 13,000-plus Celtic supporters, and he gave a speech that would have gone down in the annals of Celtic history as being one of the great speeches, you know, one of the motivational speeches that sent shivers down the back of your spine. Now, if you listen to it, it seems all a bit hollow. And the reason for that was I started getting text messages regarding comments that Danny McGrain had made to me uh, at another event at the Royal Concert Hall in January just past regarding Brendan Rodgers. We'll go into that in a wee second. How do you feel about his uh, introductory speech when he walks on the park and starts talking about the late, great Tommy Burns? It all seems a bit hollow now, and uh, we just I just feel used, really. And we're now going across everything that he says to us. I mean, imagine being the players... Do the players believe everything that he's told them now? Are we just looking too much into things? Two points you make there. First of all, the players. When Brennan Rodgers came into Celtic, he completely revolutionised many aspects of the club, from the science to the diet. Scott Brown, after the game tonight, spoke about the influence of Brennan Rodgers. And what he got, Kevin, was he got the buy-in of every individual. I mean, and I'm talking the fans, the, the board members initially, although obviously that changed as time went on. The players... And the staff, every member of staff that you speak to that works for Celtic, bought in to Brendan Rodgers' vision. The infrastructure has to remain. He's got that club performing at a 
Premier League level, which Lennon couldn't do beforehand, which Ronnie Dyler couldn't do. And what Brendan has left there has to remain in place and we've got to build on it. We can't just discard it, we can't just throw it away. And Lennon's been saying the right things and that level of attainment, that level of perfection, that level of preparation must remain at the football club and everybody still needs to buy into that. But Lennon needs to buy into that as well. Now, Kevin, we've spoken about uh, some of the things that Roger's done well. Of course he did. We've won seven trophies domestically in a row. We went through an invincible season. We won two trebles back to back. There's a possibility that we'll win a third. So I don't want to give the impression that this is an opportunity for us to criticise Brendan Rodgers for an hour because it's not. But what do you think Rodgers could have done better? Europe was a disappointment. You look at our wage bill now and our wage bill's £20 million higher than what it was before he arrived. We've had some doing in Europe. We looked good in the second leg against Valencia last week, which is a bit gone. We've looked good in certain games in Europe, the home game against Leipzig, away to Anderlecht. We've had some decent performances, but we kept on making the same mistakes again and again. His transfer dealings could have been better. I think last January he wanted two centre-halves. We got him the two centre-halves that, that he wanted. He wanted Charlie Masonda. We got him Charlie Masonda for a lot of money, and... They all failed. They've all failed to contribute. Jack Henry could contribute in the future. It's quite clear Marvin Comper's not going to contribute. And Charlie Masonda is. I don't even know where Charlie Masonda is now. Um, I think he's at the same club as Islam Farouz. Fair play. Both of them are probably playing the PlayStation together then. Eh? He could have done things better, but we can't argue his, his domestic record. We can't argue with how he improved players that there is this myth that he wasn't backed the wage bill proves he was backed the size of the squad proves he was backed I would love to I would love to see Ronnie Dyla with a £59 million wage bill I'm sure Neil Lennon's sitting there looking at that squad going when I left I wanted a squad like this I never got I never got this squad now he's got this squad through a strange twist of fate. So he could have done things better. I think Brendan himself knows. And I've got no gripe with Brendan Rodgers leaving Celtic. He had done everything that he could do with Celtic. My gripe is with the timing and how he's went about the whole thing. He has maybe took Celtic as far as he could take us. He's not going to get the money that he wants to take us to the next level. Me and you had a conversation last week uh, before the Valencia first tie. The players that we've got on loan just now would cost north of £30 million to sign. The figure I've written down here is potentially 40 to £60 million for the four players that we've got in on loan. We can't spend that when we're in the Scottish League. And for me anyway, the loan players that we've got are won't take us to the next level they're not guaranteed to take us to the next level they would still need to perform 7, 8, 9s out of 10s every time they step on a European pitch and for us to spend 40 to 60 million pounds to just to continue to win the Scottish League is complete and utter madness and to run with the wage bill that we've got at the moment just to win the Scottish League is complete and utter madness well that 40 to 60 million 
Kevin, if we looked at that and we had actually shelled that out, and that's just on transfer fees before we start looking at the wages, it, we, we had those players and we still didn't progress to the last 16 of the Europa League. So that, that was the point we were trying to make last week. It's difficult for Celtic fans every transfer window if we're not getting the calibre of player that we believe suits Celtic Football Club. But we've got to look at the, the entire landscape of the game in Scotland and compare that to the Champions League and the Europa League. If we had spent that money, we'd be sitting here with four guys who ind- individually are worth £10 million plus and we haven't progressed any further in Europe. Was that a big dilemma for Brendan Rodgers? But then, saying that, say we didn't get Valencia... Say we go Victoria Plesnan or one of the other smaller smaller clubs who are in the Europa League, we would be sitting here probably now going, we're a last 16 Europa League team when it's really just been doing the luck of the draw. Of course, it was a dilemma for, for Brendan. He has ambitions and we could never match his ambitions. But when he walked up that Celtic way, walked out that tunnel in front of 13,000 fans, stood on that platform told us about Tommy Burns, told us it was a a dream job. He knew that we couldn't uh, match his ambitions. He knew the restrictions that he had to work under and he bought into that as well. He did and that's why he signed a contract because both parties knew where we were in relation to signing players, selling players and I'll get onto that in a moment with Moussa Dembele. So you're right to change tact, you know, halfway through the job. That I think that's what has been difficult for Celtic fans to accept. Now, going back to Moussa Dembele, at the time of his transfer, he utilised social media like no other Celtic player has utilised social media before because he used it to manoeuvre himself out of Celtic Park. And he was making cryptic messages regarding somebody at Celtic Football Club. And he was talking about the integrity of someone at Celtic Football Club. Is it now pretty clear who he was talking about, Kevin? I think it was extremely clear at the time who he was talking about, but unfortunately we maybe backed the wrong horse eh, in that race. Of course we were all going to cash in on Dembele. Dembele's no innocent in this. I'm sure he did throw the rattle out the pram. I'm sure he did make it as awkward as possible to engineer the, the move to Leon. There was nobody interested in Moussa Dembele until the player moved from Leon to... Real Madrid and that opened up the opportunity for Moussa Dembele to move back to France as he was advised to do by the French national team manager so I'm sure Moussa can he can he can tweet great quotes from Muhammad Ali all he wants I did retweet it and we did I did paraphrase it on a tweet that I sent from the Celtic State of Mind uh, Twitter feed but he's not entirely innocent but he has been proved correct to a point about Brendan. He has. I mean, see, when you look at this season, Kevin, we don't generally do analysis shows on a Celtic state of mind. We are built on interviewing people with that mindset. However, because of the events of this week, we felt it necessary to have a discussion in relation to that. But when you look at this season, when we look back on this season, you've got the Dembele affair where obviously very publicly these grotty social media tweets that uh, are uh, criticising someone at Celtic. You've got the situation with Boyata, who for all intents and purposes downed tools and went on strike. You know, never since Marco Viduca, uh, was he called Marco at the time? Or Mark had dropped it all by the point that he took his boots off against Inverness Cali 
and refused to go onto the pitch for the second half. And before that, we had uh, David Hay and George Conley gone on strike back in the early 70s. But Boyata, in the modern day, to go on strike uh, and for Brennan Rodgers to have to deal with that. We then had and have a situation with Lee Griffiths uh, due to issues off the pitch being unable to play for Celtic. And then you've got Brennan Rodgers' interviews uh, and to the media, giving them loads of information, throwing the board under the bus more than once. It's been a, a strange old season, Kevin. Uh, how much would you lay at the door of Brendan Rodgers. The fact that there's a title race is down to Brendan Rodgers. As soon as he threw the the chief executive under the bus in August, we knew there was something up. I mean, you can even have a look, I mean, we can have a look back now and overanalyse everything. Earlier on in the season, we got beat one nothing at Tynecastle in a horrific game of football. And you look at the team that he put out that day, and you mm. go, what was he playing at? That that was just after the whole. I want more money situation. It seemed to be it seemed to be after the fallout regarding Boyata. The club wanted yeah. to sell Boyata, which is what we do, which is good management. You've got you're getting offered nine million pounds for a player who's in the last year of his contract. He has no intention of signing another contract. And your manager goes, I want to keep him. Now we've got an asset. I hate calling players assets, but now we've got a player who's going to walk away in the summer for nothing, probably somewhere in the East Midlands, round about the Leicester area. And that's bad management. What kind of ultimatum is that when he knows that selling that player makes good sense? Right, we didn't have Benkovic in at that time, and I think Ayer was struggling with injury at that point. But we knew the boy out of situation was coming. And the reason the Boyata situation, the reason that he wanted to keep Boyata so desperately, there's two reasons. To get one over Peter Lowell and also to mask his failing that the two centre-halves that he bought in January weren't first-team ready. They weren't up to scratch. Now listen, Kevin, we've jumped back and forward a wee bit, but there's been a lot happening, so that's understandable. I mentioned before about a conversation that happened in January with Danny McGrain. Uh, and the only reason I'm mentioning this is because it seems to have cropped up because obviously it was mentioned not only to me, but there was another 1,300 people in the room, I believe, at a conversation with Danny McGrain in January. And as an opener, I asked the question about Brennan Rogers' well-told story about uh, their first experience together on the first training session that Brendan told at the, his book launch and he told the story to Eamon Holmes and ended up on a DVD, I think. It was on Celtic TV, etc., etc. A beautiful soundbite. And Danny McGrain basically said it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So I believe that somebody mentioned it on a forum. You might tell me where it was. I don't use any forums these days, but apparently it cropped up on a Celtic forum. And somebody sent me the screenshot of the the quote that the user had actually put up. Now, I, I'd be paraphrasing because I didn't record the conversation, but that screenshot is how I remember the conversation. It's as near to verbatim as it possibly could be uh, what Danny McGrain said that night. And basically what Danny said was that he was embarrassed. He was sitting in the crowd. Was it at the Glasgow Hydro? Yes, it was. It was at the Hydro. Big, Brendan Rogers' book launch. And he's sitting there, I think, with, with his wife. And Brendan Rogers tells his story. Uh, and Danny McGrain said it didn't happen. And he was embarrassed because it made him appear as though he was desperate for a job. You know, like he was a groundsman looking for a job. And this is Danny McGrain we're talking about. 
Then a few people asked because at that point, I, until this podcast, I've not said it was me that interviewed Danny McGrain when he said this. But um, people had said, why has this not been mentioned before now? Well, the reason I've not mentioned it is because Danny McGrain and Brennan Rogers are both employed by Celtic at that point. And it would look as though I'm trying to throw a spanner on the works. And it would look as though I'm criticising the gaffer. And if I'd done that in January, then it would have appeared as though I was up to no good trying to create an issue that wasn't there. So what what was your feeling on that when you seen that? There's been some reaction online to the Danny McGrain story. I've only seen, I don't know what forum it came from because I've only seen the screenshot like yourself that appeared on my supporter club WhatsApp group. I was at the, the, book, the book signing at the penalty spot with Danny McGrain. Hmm. Anybody that's been in the penalty spot, it's a wee shop and... We were in the the back, the wee back room, the wee kitchen, but at the back just before Danny went out to to start signing the books, and there was myself, there was my dad and Kevin who owns the shop, and I think Jim McAllog was there as well. Eh? And Danny told that story to all of us in that wee kitchen, the exact same story that that didn't happen because he was talking about he keeps he goes up to Lennox Town and he uses a gym and he's going to retire from it and and I went I, I can't remember how it came about it could have been me I can't, re- can't really remember but somebody mentioned Brendan and he went I, I he told that story but that didn't happen and that was it and as you say it's not your place to bring it up it's Danny's place Danny done it in an extremely public place at the Royal Concert Hall with over a thousand people there eh? so yeah. it's not really my it's not really my place to go around telling that story it's it's Danny's if Danny's got that beef with Brendan it's up to him to take up but Danny's too nice a fella to pull somebody like Brendan up about that especially when Brendan's stock was as high as it was at that point when when he told the story exactly and I think there was a <laughs> There was actually a tongue-in-cheek comment that Brendan had books to sell. <laughs> no, and that's maybe why he told it. And that's maybe no far from the truth. But uh, just to clear that one up, the other thing I was going to mention, I've been thinking uh, today about loyalty. We keep hearing the word loyalty, Kevin. And there has been some fantastic loyalty shown by some of the, the staff members who have remained at Celtic Park. And one guy I don't think has had a great amount of mention is Stevie Woods. And if you just think of the three goalkeepers in particular, that he's worked with and where they were when they came to Celtic and where they were when they left Celtic or where they are now. And you look at Fraser Forster, when he comes in, he's a Newcastle reserve. And I remember when we signed him permanently because we had him on loan and we signed him permanently. I think his first game was against, was it Sion? Remember the Swiss club? Yes, I, Europe? Daniel Mastorovic um, got sent off the early doors. Chaduri had a nightmare that night as well, I remember. Neil, Neil Lennon presided over a lot of nightmare away days <laughs> in Europe. Yeah, but you know what, Kevin? We'll not talk about that. No, we'll only talk about that. We'll, we'll just airbrush that then. <laughs> yeah, so he comes in as a Newcastle reserve. By the time he's left, he's playing at World Cups for England, Fraser Forster. And then we get Craig Gordon, who comes in. He's not played for two years. He's basically been retired for the game. And he regains his place in the Celtic team. He has some outstanding performances in Europe. He gets back in the Scotland side. He's winning trebles. He's... His image on his knees against Aberdeen is one of the iconic images in Celtic's history now. And now you look at Scott Bain, a guy who was freed at Pataudry. He ended up part-time at Alawa. Then, you know, he's be thrown on a scrap heap by Neil McCann. He comes into Celtic and 
His performance in Spain last week, Kevin, was just, yet again, a phenomenal goalkeeping performance. So I just think credit where credit's due. Stevie Woods has shown a great amount of loyalty and I think we're lucky to have him. I'm old enough to remember Stevie Woods playing in goals for Motherwell and I'm sure he would probably admit himself that he, prob- that he was never a top-class goalkeeper. But he seems to have a knack of producing top-class goalkeepers and making decent goalkeepers better as in the case of Craig Gordon he's probably saved Craig Gordon's career with Scott Bain you spoke about against Valencia last week as well he was he was he was fantastic he's not put a glove wrong since he's came in for Craig and credit must go down to the way we would say actually works the goalkeepers also also as well the fact that Brendan he wanted to take him down to Leicester to a club where money doesn't matter who could get any coach, goalkeeping coach in the world that he wanted to take him with him shows the, the ability of the man. Now Kevin, one thing you mentioned there about going back down to Leicester uh, brought back uh, memories of an analogy that I made during the week a day or two ago in relation to how quickly your stock can plummet when you go to England be it as a player or as a manager. And the example I used is one minute you could be wanted by Liverpool, the next minute you could be Mark McGee. Because remember the interview he gave, and he says he was, you know, one penalty <laughs> kick away from being the manager of Liverpool. Aye. Where is he now? 13th tier of English football or something like that. So where do you see Brennan Rodgers' career going now that he's left Celtic for Leicester? I know you want me to answer the question, but really, truthfully, I couldn't care. But, where Brendan sees his own career going, I'll answer it that way, he's going to Leicester who have got a young squad. Brendan's got a reputation of improving young players, working with young players. They're spending a bit of money on their infrastructure, their youth academy. So it's a perfect job, it's a project job for him. His money's going to be unlimited. But that's only a step, stepping stone for him. He knows that even what he achieved up here, he wouldn't get another elite job in England he wouldn't get the Chelsea job which is likely to come up in the next few weeks he wouldn't get a lot he won't get the Liverpool job again he won't get he won't get the Arsenal job so he has to go back down there and salvage enhance his reputation again he's going to a club whose ambition is to finish six and not get relegated the pressure's off if he has a couple of decent runs in a cup produces a couple of players that get maybe 50, 60, 70 million pound moves, his stock will rise again and he'll hope that one of the big clubs then take notice of him mm. it's, it's a fickle market and it's a shame for me I'm going to go back to Martin O'Neill and again I'm jumping about here eh? but I'm going to go back to Martin O'Neill when Martin O'Neill left Leicester to join Celtic he knew that what he achieved in Celtic would be the pinnacle of his management career and it'll be where he would be most remembered fondly if he if he was successful. For me, what Brendan's done to us shows that he just believes that what he achieved in Celtic will just be a footnote on his CV when his career is finished. It's not going to be what he remembers most and that sickens me, that saddens me most. Do you think that this has undoubtedly tarnished his legacy at Celtic Park. Definitely. If somebody would have said to you 
At the start of Brendan Rodgers' reign, he's going to win seven trophies in a row. We're going to do a double treble. We're going to have an invincible season. And he is not going to be welcome back in Celtic Park. You'd have been sitting there wondering, going, what the hell is he going to do? That may, which means that he's never going to be welcome back in Celtic Park. It's treason up there with Mo Johnson. And I can't be mentioning Mo Johnson a lot on this podcast. But the younger generation have now, are now seeing what we went through with that rat. The word rat's been used quite a bit on social media as well, Kevin. <laughs> as has Snake. I'm looking at the Celtic squad and I'm looking at the players that obviously were go-to players for Brendan Rodgers. Many other players were written out of the equation. One such player that we've mentioned already was Lee Griffiths and that was for other reasons other than his ability. Do you think Neil Lennon will be good for Lee Griffiths? I think out of all the members of the squad that would have been happy to see Rodgers go, Lee Griffiths was probably one of them. I've been quite vocal on my supporters bus and with anybody asks me, I didn't think Lee Griffiths would kick another ball from, for Celtic. I do think with Neil Lennon in charge, he probably will. And Lennon might just be what Lee Griffiths needs, but Lee needs to actually help himself. Lee needs to pull his socks up. Lee needs to realise that the number of chances that he's getting is rapidly running out. And what Celtic demand of their players, he's got to live up to that. He is a talent. He is a talent and hopefully Neil will, hopefully we'll see that talent again. Definitely. Is there any other players who are out of the picture? You mentioned Jack Hendry before. Fans have been very critical of his performances since he came in last January. Do you think he's got a future under Lenny? I think Jack Hendry, on the face of it, was a decent enough signing. It was a signing that made sense at the time. The young lad has struggled to make the step up. He was probably thrown in far too early. I think the way that Celtic work was that we signed the players to make an impact in 12 months' time, 6 to 12 months' time. Unfortunately, we had injuries towards the end of the season and he was thrown in. And the European debacle at the start of the season didn't help him. And to tell you the truth, I think he was an easy scapegoat for a lot of the fans. You don't get to play at Celtic if you're a bad footballer. He's got ability and our scouts don't scout people that are bad footballers. As me and you know full full well that we've spoke to many players who just say some players just go to the wrong club. They just don't fit in. Jack Henry is not a bad footballer. He's a, bad, he's a good footballer that's having a bad time. And the club need to manage him through that because he could contribute in the future. You look in the summer, the centre halves that we've got in the cl- we've got at the club at the moment, we've only, we're only going to have Ayer, Simovic, and Jack Henry as the centre halves that are going to be there. And Comper, I forgot he existed. <laughs> <laughs> now again, jumping back to January when we were at the Star Sixes event in Glasgow, we were speaking to our friends the Anfield Rap who are the Liverpool fan-built site, podcast, video, live event creators. Great bunch of lads. You know them quite well. You've been down at their offices. What was their take? What was their opinion on Brendan Rodgers from his time at Liverpool? I think Brendan's looked at them now in Liverpool. They knew it was it was the right time for Brendan to go when he left. He had started doubting himself. There was a bit of confusion eh, and conflict with the way Liverpool conducted transfers. If you thought, thought 
uh, John from Namfield Rap actually told us it seemed to be that the transfer committee would buy one player and Brendan would buy another player and yeah. everyone that ben, Brendan bought is no longer at the club that Brendan didn't want Firmino he didn't want Daniel Sturridge so there's not a bit of revisionism going on with, going on in with the Liverpool fans with Brendan Rodgers I think the new the nature of Brendan I mean we just have to look at the number of parodies that Brendan's got the, the guy who does deluded Brendan and how he came across on that documentary being Liverpool he did come across as being a bit fully self and a bit David Brent but as Liverpool fans will rightly point out, apart from this season, he had gave them their greatest season since for years. The closest that they had came to winning the league. They had played some fantastic football that year. They had seen Luis Suarez go from a, a European-class footballer to a world-class footballer. They had seen Raheem Sterling develop from a, yaw, a raw young talent into a world-class footballer and that is all down to Brendan Rodgers and this is where this is where the Celtic fans have got to maybe take a wee step back and when we were looking for a manager Brendan Rodgers was at the, was, was at the top of a lot of Celtic fans wish list if, mon- if, one, if money was no object what manager would you want? And we can all cast doubt on Brendan Rodgers' Celtic credentials. The only reason he turned up at Celtic Park was because he was from a Celtic-minded family and a Celtic-minded family who still who still travel to the games, travel to the games before Brendan was a manager. So that was the only reason he ended up at the football club. The way it's ended is dreadful utterly dreadful it puts into question everything that we've discussed everything that he's told us we're feeling like a lover scorned at this precise moment at this precise moment in time the, the mistress has left us on our way back to the wife and screaming burns I think I put it as during the week but also what this proves is that if you go toe to toe with Peter Lowell there will only be one winner would you agree with that? this proves it beyond doubt if you go toe to toe with Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond, there's only going to be one winner. And th- th- this is this is another angle that we've maybe got to look at. Did Peter Wall see through Brendan Rogers at an early stage? Everybody's saying that Brendan fell out with Law, but did did Peter Wall see through Brendan? See him as a charlatan? See him as a man who was changing the goalposts when he knew where the goalposts were stationed. Where they all bought in by the smooth talking Brendan, the political Brendan, who could mm. charm snow off a dike. And it wasn't until they started working with him they saw a different side to him. There's yeah. nothing. There, there's nothing to say that David Desmond, who's still involved in football to a point, is telling chairman down in England, do not go near that man with a, with a barge pole. It does happen in football and I'd like to make the point just when we're talking about um, the highest echelons of Celtic Football Club that a Celtic state of mind don't attend the club's press conferences, our name's not down and we're not getting in. We don't know the answers, we're just speculating regarding that but it would appear that if you come up against Peter Lowell then you'll be the one that leaves the club. That's how this would appear and you're probably right, you're probably right in relation to our working relationship you know, we're never going to know the full story, Kevin, but we've known for long enough that he's been manufacturing a move out of the club. That leaves us now with Neil Lennon version two, five years on. What does he bring to the club that perhaps he didn't have before? 
in his first spell as a manager. At the moment, he's bringing it to the club personality. He's probably the only biggest personality that we could have got to take the club over the line at this precise moment in time. He probably brings an experience of the grass isn't greener on the other side. He brings an intensity. He brings a Celtic mind. He brings a Celtic heart, a Celtic soul. I'm I'm hoping he also brings a more open mind that when he left the club four or five years ago, the club's a completely different club now. The players that he could bring in and from 2010 to when he left are no longer available to us. We couldn't sign another Van Dyke. We couldn't get another Van Yama because they, they, they markets are now saturated with teams with far more money than us. He's got to have a look at how Brendan developed players. This is one of my things and somebody will shoot me down here and I'll be and I'll be quite happy for somebody to shoot me down. When Rangers went bust, one of my main gripes about Lennon was he didn't seem to develop any young players. He didn't seem to take any risks with the Dylan McGeeocks of this world who became a major player for him. At Hibs, strangely enough, how bizarre is that? When he didn't really give him a chance at Celtic in a league which was basically a one-horse league. I'm sure Lennon's looking forward to the challenge now of making that job his own. I want him. I want him to have learned that his ways maybe not the only way to get jobs done, and that the way that Celtic work, he has to buy into the way that Celtic work. I'm all for a European model where coaches can come and go but the structure behind doesn't change the operation doesn't change and we ripped that up for Brendan and we're maybe going to need to look what Brendan brung, look at his infrastructure look how he raised the standards and keep that standard there and go to Neil Lennon you've got a second chance at this job but you've maybe got to do it our way now and again that sounds bad and I'm sure Neil will bring in want to bring in his own ideas but he can't just throw everything the journey the club's been on in the last two and a bit year the bar's been raised and he's got to ensure that bar stays raised and the club have got to ensure that as well One of the other players you mentioned uh, Dylan McGeer he didn't give Callum McGregor a game either and obviously he's now one of our mainstays so it'll be interesting to see how Callum McGregor develops I'm sure he will develop under Neil Lennon One final question beyond this season we know that Neil Lennon is the interim manager until the end of the season uh, beyond this season who do you see in the hot seat at Celtic Park who would be your first choice? If money was no object it would be a Marco Rose from Red Bull Salzburg. But I think we've got a situation now that we've been backed into a situation where it's Neil Lennon's job to lose. Obviously, he's been given some guarantee that if he does well, the job is going to be his because it doesn't look well on a football club if you've got a manager that comes in at a time of crisis, wins you the league possibly win you the Scottish Cup then you let them go in the summer but not exactly Real Madrid so I would say it's Lennon's to lose and I can't see him losing the league now we've got the best squad in the league the most experienced squad but again I think 
more important going forward is we get a model in place and Lennon buys into that model and we take all the good stuff that Brendan Rodgers done for us keep it there Lennon buys into it and we move forward with a clear plan of how to make us a sustainable club that competes in Europe that, that's the main thing just compete in Europe not, quali- not set targets like the last 16 of the Champions League just compete, go out there and look competent at a European level and do it with a sustainable budget and don't don't risk the family silver when doing it. Well, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So thanks very much for your time and I'll catch you up with you soon, Kevin, for another episode of A Celtic State of Mind. Thanks very much, Paul. Hail, hail. Network.